Hello. Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving us the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your co-hosts, Carlos Cooper, and with me as always, Joe Hilliard and Dave Gurney. And we are here to, as per usual, discuss a movie over a beer, Um, but we are in kind of a weird place now. Well, we're in a weird place within the weird place that we were already in, because as you know, for the last like two months, we've been recording from home uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But in the midst of all of that as well, there has been, you know, the senseless murder of a black man in Minnesota by a police officer. And since then, there have been a ton of now protests sprouting up all over the country, um, some even here in our own city, um, coast to coast, north to south. Uh, And so we were wondering if it was even, you know, appropriate or maybe useful for us three drunks to record a podcast about some silly, some, you know, more serious films, I guess. And whether now is the time to be doing that and, you know, putting effort into promoting an episode for this, you know, thing that we do in light of all of this injustice that's taking place across the country. And so as of the recording of this episode, it's supposed to release June 3rd, uh, and it may not. We don't know. If it were a normal week, it would have released June 3rd. But as of the time of this recording, we're recording it because we've watched the movies Right. Uh, and we'll see when it comes out, but that's, it's a little more complicated than that. Like why right. we may or may not release the episode and I'll let David explain why. Well, I just, I, you know, I, I think what you've said already, Carlos is, is right. I mean, I think all of us, it's kind of given us pause and this is a moment where a lot of folks, not just us, but you know, um, it, it, you know, uh, other artists, not, not that we're artists necessarily, or people who make things, people, makers, creatives are thinking about what is our role right now. If we have a voice to whatever extent, we love our listeners. We love to be there to, to help sort of get them through the week. And especially during the pandemic, I feel like if, if we've ever been offering a service, it might be now um, to get people's minds off things. But I don't know if this is a time that we want to pull people's minds away from things. Uh, the other piece here that I think makes this episode that we had planned kind of timely is that it really does tap, you know, our, our attempt here was to tap into a film festival that's going on on YouTube called the We Are One Festival that is sort of, at least for me, emblematic of exactly what I want to see happening in the world today. Lots of people from around the globe, different film festivals and organizations putting together um, their resources to put out content that a lot of audiences just wouldn't have access to. I think, you know, both films, both feature films that we were looking at this week um, fit that bill of films that most people will never see and most people may never hear of. And if we can help them get a little tiny bit of, uh, of awareness spread uh, through, through our listenership, then I think we'll, we'll be doing a nice global service in that sense. But it's tough to know if this is the right time to be, or if we should be standing in solidarity with others and just kind of maybe being silent uh, for an episode and, and seeing how that works. So, um, you know, we, we wanted to address it up top at this episode because we're not, as Carlos said, we're not sure if we're going to release this on June 3rd or if this will wait until a later date. But either way, when you're listening to this, we hope you do get something out of it. And we certainly hope that, um, you know, the conversation is moving in the direction it should be by the time you hear this. But it's, it's hard to hard to see how that happens next. Um, Joe, do you have anything else to say before we 
kind of maybe get into the, the no, primary no. content? I would say that the two of you explained it perfectly. And his name is George Floyd. We'll go for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as as David said, this is this film festival that's happening on YouTube. We kind of saw um, something similar with the South by Southwest uh, film festival on Amazon. Um, but this one is not, you know, that was just South by, and this one is Toronto International. It's con. It's like you know a bunch Bomba. of yeah. It's yeah. A, a bunch of different um, uh, festivals that have kind of banded together to show some of their stuff in a way that people can see. Since we can't gather to attend a film festival, uh, which you know, as Joe said when we did the South by episode, um, we had been invited there. We were invited to con, uh, yeah. and you know they were. <laughs> Uh, anticipating our presence um, to review the films there. And um, there was even some tacos being jury members. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, couldn't, couldn't make all, that one. All kidding aside. <laughs> well, if the, episode, if the episode comes out on its scheduled date, people will have an opportunity to continue watching the films for several more days. That's true. And I would suggest that you do go to the YouTube page for we are one film festival and get to watch in movies yeah uh we picked three different things to watch which means three different beers i couldn't be more excited about that part of it oh yeah same i i didn't uh i was telling telling kylie right before we started recording i was like i'm excited to record if for no reason other than last night the only beer left in my fridge was allocated for this podcast (laughs) and so i was without beer on a saturday night which was in case of emergency break glass yeah i do have those nitro cold brew ones that david uh dumped on me but i haven't i haven't quite stooped that low yet uh the um, well, let's get some beer i won't say the name glasses. yeah 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 joe picked a good one for us because uh, the first film we're going to do today is a uh, a film out of delhi uh, in India, and it is called Ib Alayu, which is a strange title, but uh, in case you're wondering if it just is, didn't choose to translate for the foreign market, for is the forereign market, um, it isn't. It, it's actually, these are meant to be the sounds of monkeys, um, a particular type of monkey. We'll get into why that makes sense for the title, but Joe got us a beer that I've never had. I've had a of their monkey beer. Uh, this is Victory out of Pennsylvania, right? Am I right? Yes. Down- Downington. I Have we had them on the podcast before, Joe? I was about, to, I was about to pitch to our resident researcher and ask yeah, the same question. First, this is our first foray into Victory. And guys, i got to be honest with you, I was just tired of us not having the ability to pair our beers thematically with the movies but once we decided to do this this movie i suggested that we get one of victory's monkey of the monkey line yeah we got we got the sour monkey and i'm gonna let you say it david because it's your favorite word to say on this podcast (laughs) uh it is uh a beer that has uh i think as its base beer a belgian triple uh, that would they would normally call golden monkey, but for this sour monkey, they use Brettanomyces <laughs> yeast. I, that's, uh, Brettanomyces yeast, uh, which is sort of odd because again, most beer uses a yeast strain called Saccharomyces. That's most of your beer yeast, um, ale yeast, um, and and lager yeast. But for certain brewers who are willing to walk on the wild side, and I say that 
literally wild side. They incorporate this yeast that's sort of historically thought of as more of a yeast to avoid, okay? We've even had a beer on this podcast where we felt it probably got a Brett infection, though that wasn't intended given the style that had been described as yeah. being appropriate for the beer. Episode 51 from Angelina Brewery in Lufkin. Angelina. That was the shit. Right. That was the Shiznit uh, New England IPA, and I'd go back and listen to that just for that interesting idea that, yeah, David, you sniffed out a, uh, uh infection there in that beer. Well, poor, it can be pretty pronounced. Guy. Yeah, and it's, it's sure thing, yeah. I, and I've heard much, you know, I've heard that they have some better beers and all that, but uh, but it, it happens to the best brewers, too, that they can have these infections that, because if you work with a little bit it has a way of sticking around and getting into your next batch if the, the cleaning between doesn't work out. But this one, it's intentional. It's a triple, so it's 9.5%. So it's going to be a hefty one to start out this episode with, but totally appropriate with the monkey connection. And there was even another monkey on the shelf, right, Joe? What was the one that you didn't get? It was a... I don't remember, but it had mango. Right. Ooh, it, was interesting. Light, it was lighter in body. It, it went for like a 5% kind of... Right, right. Yeah. We, had a, we, had a, we had a couple of mo- monkey choices to make this week. All right. So we'll sip on this. Uh, while we're talking about this film, as I said, Eb Leu. Um, also, just uh, oh, before ahead. you get into the film, just let me leave you with something. Uh, the first time I ever had this beer, um, I was uh, I was at I think it was the Post, which is like a gastro pub with a lot of taps and beer offerings here in town. Um, maybe not a lot of taps, a lot of beer offerings though. And the thing I had yeah. ordered. Um, I think I ordered two beers in a row that were on the menu that they did not have. And so I was like, shit, like, what am I going to get? You know, like, blah, 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 blah. I was really looking forward to this other thing. I think it might've been the reason we went there was because I heard that they had some beer or whatever. And Kylie, you know, we were looking at the menu, which is a TV that changes screens every so often. It's the only way to look at the beer menu, which is, you know conversation for another time but and we were going through and she was like oh i've had that sour monkey one before it's pretty good and it's like almost 10 percent. so like bang for your buck and i was like oh like what is it what and this was a little mm-hmm. before uh, as listen longtime listeners of this podcast have gone on a sour journey with me this was before that journey um i hadn't really dipped my toes in it too much and was skeptical and she said uh it tastes kind of like sour patch kids and i was like okay well we'll see so as we drink this beer, I want to hear at the end of it if you guys think it tastes like Sour Patch Kids or not. All right. We'll do the Kylie challenge here. Is this a Sour Patch Kids beer? Um, so, uh, f- funny backstory there. I like that. Uh, it, it's I think this film, uh, set in Delhi, made by Pratik Vats, uh, which I understand this is his first fictional feature. He did, he did at least one feature-length doc that, that got some play, I think, at some film festivals. But this is his first uh, fictional narrative feature. And it's a pretty small-scale film, in a sense. It's about, you know, a, a primary character uh, who is moving to Delhi, right, to be with his sister. Um, his name is Anjani, and he has his sister already living there in the city of Delhi, um, Didi. Uh, and she's pregnant. She has a husband uh, who is sort of cop. I, I, I don't feel like we ever really get to see him in action. We see him kind of training and being told. Anyway, we'll, we'll get into what he's, his job duties entail in a moment, but some sort of cop or security guard, and it gets to a point with um, him there that he needs a job, 
his brother-in-law gets him the job to be a monkey repeller um, because there are many monkeys around these government buildings there in the capital that um, they are let to roam because they are connected to the Hindu faith. There, There is a monkey god, is what I understand. Uh, and so they're, they're sort of protected creatures and revered. And, and a lot of people sort of would rather pay them tribute than shoo them away. Nonetheless... It's an un, it's an unchecked animal population that's beginning right. to over overrun, and not even just unchecked, but like sort of encouraged by some, right. you know some encouraging them to be there. So so, but right. he's trying to get them away, and and those sounds that make up the title, Eve Aleu, or what he is taught by a coworker, somebody who also does this job or has done this job, that these are the sounds that a sort of enemy monkey species right am i saying that right it's a lang langer or i don't know there, there are these other white like, with sort of black face monkeys yeah. that scare the other monkeys they don't live there in the city but if they can sort of replicate the sounds the idea is that they can shoo them away using using them and, and that's kind of where we start is him trying to make his way in the world in this new life in delhi living with his sister and his brother-in-law with this job of monkey repeller and how he's going to be able to do that and he is horribly ill-equipped to be able to do it right i mean it's mostly about struggle and strife in his life trying just to do this what would seem like a simple job on the surface shooing monkeys away. well the well the monkeys are slightly you know they're aggressive which is one of the things okay. that makes the population such a nuisance and what you have here is you have like one of the most like meek and timid men trying to square off with these <laughs> and like that's really the the crux of his problem i mean i i feel like so many things in uh in life boil down to confidence and it's why the fake it till you make it mantra is like so real is that if you know you, you believe something eventually other people will believe it too and this guy really does not believe that he is intimidating and every time he tries to there's even times where there's like a monkey terrorizing like a food truck or something and he keeps trying to tell people oh it's gone it's gone and it's like very clearly not gone but you can hear it like running around well it's, it, there's some real comedy in this film i mean i think right right off the bat i i do appreciate and i think part of what sold me on the idea of watching this film i mean i thought the description sounded interesting but the idea that it, it that it has a comedy element to it i was intrigued by i like the idea of watching something that might have a little lightness what i was surprised by was how how much it was sort of rooted in kind of social reality even though it was sort of absurdist in a way felt very real to me you know watching him um in this situation with his sister and brother-in-law and very you know meager conditions that they're living in trying to get by and how everybody in there who is in similar positions to them right who, who they're connected to like not living large not living well in a wealthy way like very much just getting by and yet everybody taking those opportunities to take digs at one another when they came up people who are like supervisors or bosses who gain a little bit of power over one another and seeing them kind of lord that over each other as with the the supervisor that Anjani has with his job is terrible right i mean he's he's almost like um you know like superhero villain kind of evil like grabbing him and like was he like grabbing his ear and stuff yeah, he's shouting his face and, he's a dick yeah, yeah oh, i mean but like I, I didn't. I didn't know there was. Again, there was like this exaggerated comedy element to it. But then yeah. it would slip into these moments where I'm like, "Oh my god, this is like disturbing." He is treating this guy like a child. And I think I think one thing that yeah, and I think one thing that makes that relationship like translate so well 
because like it's not one of those things like because you know we're talking about a country with like a, a very well-defined class system right right uh, it's like an inherent part of their society, uh, the caste system or whatever. Uh, and where some things, some nuances of that could get lost, um, for an American audience where things are pretty divided, but veiled in this kind of like, Oh no, it's more fluid than other places kind of, uh, fantasy, uh, but that that relationship between him and his boss is so like high school, like football jock and nerd kind of thing. Like the guy, his boss even has like really nice hair. He's like clean shaven and like pretty handsome. And like Anjani is like very disheveled. His hair is always kind of messy, and he's got like a stubble and stuff. And I, it just I don't know. I thought it was, it just really struck me how much that reminded me of like a teen like high school movie and a kid getting shoved in a locker or something. You know, we had a lot of we had about what twenty films to choose from, and the scheduling timing of of watching the movies before the podcast had come out from the the We Are One Film Festival that we're highlighting today. I'm so glad we chose this one. I mean, everything you guys said is spot on, David. You're right. There is a very nice balance of of light hearted satire, and then kind of these disturbing little curves that keep you locked in and in that sense of well what am i going to see next but i like it when we do foreign films that give us peeks into a, a life that i may never be able to see you saw uh, crazy rich age uh, crazy rich asians did you guys all see that i still have not okay i mean it's 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 a very popular film and i think oh, yeah. part of the popularity is that it waters down that real life that uh, in order to give a more international flavor and this is a, a look at delhi and and all all parts of it from upper class to low low lower class and i appreciate uh, a foreign film that allows me to see a peak of the world that i wouldn't be able to see otherwise and your mention of crazy crazy rich asians i haven't seen that but i did see the farewell uh-huh. which also kind of is like a peek into yeah and i would say that the this- farewell is yeah, the farewell is a more honest look at what I'm talking about because you get to see how real people live in that community. Yeah, and yeah. deal and deal with hardships like death. And stuff. Well, it's also the, the scale of it, right? I mean, crazy rich Asians with the extreme wealth of that class of people that it is focusing on, it can't help. But even though a lot of the film is about this fish out of water thing, where you know she's being brought into this family, but she doesn't have that background. She's more working class in her background, and you know, they, so you do get to see that class conflict play out. The farewell doesn't really make class uh, a front and center thing but it's set in a much more a lower class um a lower working class milieu and definitely the same here and i i think like you say joe you get peaks at what the wealthier like right i mean you're in these kind of at at certain moments you're in these exclusive elite parties that he's hired to come into and help shoe monkeys away from um which is sort of a strange thing in in itself instead of a you know hired man passing hors d'oeuvres he's going through making these strange noises while the party guests are kind of okay you know not- I, I feel like they didn't really even double take at him though i feel like so many of them were just like yep this is normal. no you're right they, they yeah. Were accepting it. yeah yeah exactly absolutely right so it's more the audience where we're seeing it and we're like don't why aren't you looking at this guy? He's walking through your party saying, yeah. um, if I ever get to go to another party again, I'm going to do that. You're going to be the e guy. Yeah. I'm going to go to okay. a party I wasn't invited to and just, eep, it would eep. be a fantastic Halloween costume. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know, but it but it really does. So you do you do get peaks at these different strata of society in Delhi, but it really keeps you rooted in this. Like I say, people who are just getting by. I mean, I, I wouldn't say they're they're extreme poverty because they have jobs. They are living in some sort of apartment, even though it's very modest. Um, it seems like they have access to food. They're not going hungry, but just above that, right? I mean, you know that if they lose these jobs, that's bad news, and that's what makes even this trivial seeming like monkey repeller job, which you sh- you are laughing at through much of the film, and you're thinking this is crazy that this is so tense for him um, because why can't he just do it? Like Carlos was saying earlier, there's part of you that's just like, why can't he just get himself to be more aggressive and do this thing? And I think interestingly, this film, I found it to be really effective in that, um, you know, where it ultimately builds to with the sort of side plot of the uh, brother-in-law who's upset with having part of his responsibilities with being that cop that he is is that he has to start carrying a gun he's never had to carry a gun before so they give him a, and it's actually a shotgun right i mean they're giving him this what i would think of as a pretty impractical kind of weapon to use as a pop but n- nonetheless he's being asked to carry this thing and it's a real crisis for him because he doesn't want he's a he's non-violent right he has no interest in in doing that that's not part of what he wants to do and and it's kind of a similar thing with his with his brother-in-law right the the monkey repeller he's feeling that saying like that isn't in him though he's able to perform it when he's pretending to be the monkey so i don't know there was this really interesting i think um subtle counterpoint going on i mean it's not all that subtle but i felt it was handled subtly where you have him tortured over how is he going to do this job effectively where he has to be aggressive and kind of scary and whatever and it's to take on a character he ends up dressing up as a, as one of these monkeys that they fear and those are some wonderful scenes i mean the first yeah. time he shows up like that and they have the slow motion him running down the street probably <laughs> it was i could have watched that scene on a loop like 20 times over put the right music on it i would have you know that that i in fact i may do that it's a that 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 should be the next like uh the next like music meme like take that clip and just put Uh, different songs to it right well do Um, we agree that the film needs that kind of attention is this something we're going to recommend that people seek out i thought it was fun i mean like i you know i i don't think that we got quite as much into the the ending of it because i feel like that's it gets to the more surreal elements as it goes on, you know, Look, like go, everything it, gets like heightened to a degree. Like he dresses up as a monkey. His brother is issued like a shotgun and like his sister wants it out of the house. And then, uh, his, his mentor has, you know, an unfortunate kind of end to his character arc, um, for accidentally killing a monkey, which because it's kind of like a more minute detail. Uh, we didn't mention that, um, and Johnny had shot a monkey with a slingshot that he was issued by the company he works for, uh, but didn't realize it was only for like you know looks and for scare than for actual use. And then later on, his mentor, who is the guy that is being praised the entire time, is being great at monkey repelling. And why can't Johnny be as good as Manhinder? And uh, right. he ends up accidentally killing a monkey, and then a mob kills him for killing you know this right. like which we don't creature. see it ha- that happens yeah, off camera and it's it. kind of this no it's it, it you're right it does build to this really strange i mean there's that confrontation between the brother-in-law and this man who the family is doing work for who the who the, the sister, sister is working for yeah. yeah and you know he 
he just gets so fed up with the demands of this guy and his unrealistic and, and sort of a total lack of sympathy for their situation. He, he threatens him with the gun, which is some, something he didn't even want, something that, but he felt compelled to do. And so you see this man kind of going against his own nature. Yeah, didn't um, see it coming. Or, no, and it, but it worked for me. I like, yeah. That's what I mean. It was intense. And then, but then rather than resolving that, right, we, all we know is that the gun gets taken from the household because we see Anjani take it to some sort of, I guess that was like a, was that a costume shop, a fabric? So I don't know. Yeah, what, it looks like a costume shop. I mean, it was shop. probably an all-purpose everything. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he ends up giving the gun to this guy, getting no money for it, just totally like, just get it away from us, take, yeah. take it away. And and then we see Anjani kind of walking the street during this festival and in this very poetic, almost kind of surreal ending, this sort of, you know, series of images of that festival and people dressed like monkeys and Anjani there with the black face makeup that he had been using yeah. for the monkey costume without the costume because he's pawned It's like getting painted on him in the process though, right? Yeah. Like he comes in well, normal and then... Yes, but then there's that like very final shot which i you know hardly ever do we remark on it i think this is a visionary director i mean there's there's this other guy dressed like a monkey kind of jumping in front of him and so it's it's a very intense series of images right at the end that i was left feeling like this this is a really powerful film done on that small scale i love it when somebody can take something and this you know we we cover some of these films occasionally um that are just very small scale about regular you know, quote unquote, n- none of us are regular, but like people who I can relate to because they are not on that upper tier. They're not crazy Asians. They're yeah. not um, superheroes. Mm-hmm. They're not like, this is somebody who I can very much imagine knowing who's just out there trying to get work, trying to, and all that he's gone through and the tensions in his family and trying to build, you know, bring this child into the world. That's kind of the part of the subplot with the, the sister and the uh, brother-in-law. I was really like, like, this is a great film. I like, uncategorically, I will say people should watch this film. Practically, I know not everybody's going to love it because it is, I think, a little bit slower paced in, yeah. in parts. Though I do think there are laughs in there, and if you can hang with it, you're going to feel that balance. But I, I can see a lot of people just turning off. I think a lot of our listeners will enjoy it. So I, I will, without any reservation, say anybody listening to beer in a movie is probably going to like this film. Yeah. But um, but your friends, your family, people who are more casual moviegoers, no, there, there's no explosions. There, there's yeah. no, uh, you know, so. And and I'll say to that point. Within, I'm sorry, Carl, let's go. I'll say to that point that. Um, I watched this movie after it was the first, it was the first day that people had been back in my store and that I had been there from my regular hours of 11 to seven. I was probably at the shop from like 10, 15 to like, I don't know, seven fifteen. Mm-hmm. uh, the day that I watched this. And then I watched one movie that we were going to talk about today. And then I watched this one and it, you're right. It is slower pace. And I was like kind of tired and like not used to that kind of like, having that kind of day where I'm like around people and having to like interact as much. Um, and I did kind of feel it, you know, I felt fatigued at times, uh, cause it was a little bit slower pace, but as you said, there are those moments that balance it out and that kind of just like bring you back, even if you are kind of fading a little bit, that will bring you back in. Uh, mm-hmm. and so I would, I would recommend everyone at least give it a shot even if you're not a slower paced film kind of person, put it on, read the subtitles. That'll help keep you engaged. Cause yeah, it is I was gonna say not in that, English. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I think this is a, a great film from a director. I look forward to seeing their next work. So that being said, we will champion this film on our social media as it gains whatever life that it does and eventually becomes available for people to watch. We'll make sure that, that we post about that. Well, and hopefully, and again, depending on when this episode releases, you may still have the opportunity to watch it. But maybe even if not, we'll find a way to get that word out through social media, even right, if we don't exactly. drop this episode, because... I, I agree. I think this is one where it's I love that it's available freely right now on YouTube and whatever life it has after this. I hope great things for it. But at least for this window of time, everybody listening to this could see this film. Now, so what on that? What are we thinking here? <laughs> you know where we're going on that note. This is um, this is a beer that you can get all the time. For most people, I would say it seems to me to be very widely distributed, and it's not a limited thing. You can get it anytime. Yeah, I think so, right? I mean, victory is definitely everywhere. This and this again. I've had the golden monkey before, but I've never had the sour monkey. But I, I, I'm guessing that since this has been around, it's a regular forum that they they have around all the time. It seems like it is. I've never yeah, had the golden monkey. And it's a nine point five, which is a very decent ABV for the price point. Yeah. You know, as far as Brett beers go, I like this. I, I think it's too. I think it's pretty balanced. With Brett sometimes, and this is where we were, you know, talking about that Angelina beer, is that it can really kind of give these, you know, people describe them as barnyard flavors or sometimes <laughs> even like rubber band or like they, they, rubber like, band. Yeah, that's that's horse blanket is a term that gets used what? from time to time. <laughs> well, there's like a almost like a manure kind of quality. A very earthy. But not here. I'm not. I'm not getting that here. I feel no. like they've done a good job selecting whatever strain they're using and using it in the way that I think. What it makes is for me a very dry beer. Yeah. Okay. So it, like, I sip this and it like whoosh, instantly evaporates. Uh, it's got a nice punch of that sourness right on the front, but it's kind of like a juicy sourness. Um, I, I don't know. I would say I'm, I'm almost like saying like a, a lemon spritzer kind of feel to it in, in a certain way. I'm getting like a lemon element. I, I like it. I mean, I, I'm not going to drink this every day because this is a, a bit more acidic than I tend to like beers like that. But on a hot day where I'm trying to sneak in a nine and a half percent beer, this could be the one. I mean, maybe this is the one after I've mowed the lawn and I'm like, I just need a belt of, of nine and a half percent. I could grab a can of this. It could also be a good Kickstarter for your night, too. You know, yeah. just like nice. hit the, just hit the ground running, and then you're 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 set up from there. Oh, a palate cleanser or, just comes in. That too. Or you keep a six of this in the garage fridge, and next time you go out to the lake, you put two into your six pack because you know it's going to be hot, and you want those two nine point fives that are very easy to drink. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, you know, we don't say it often, but this is a nine point five beer that lends itself to outdoor activities it's a, true a this rare occurrence but this is one of them and, and that carlos it got us off it got us off and running it sure did it sure let did. me tell it you sure and we have a ways to go because as joe said we have three films this episode so we're going to take a quick break and come back we're going to crack another beer and talk about a short film that we chose because it's not just features in this festival there's a whole lot of options when we come back
<laughs> me and Joe are like old west like clint eastwood movie like in the middle of the street like dueling every time we come back from a break we just have have our hands ready and are just ready to draw as soon as the other person flinches yeah Yeah. except that uh between the two of us and in this uh not recording together you've got your finger on the button and i've only got my eyes on the screen that's true and there might be some lag on the screen you are the one percent carlos <laughs> he's oh. he's thirty three percent in this case, but yeah, he, <laughs> my uh, <laughs> one of my friends and regular at the shop when he comes in and if he like tries to haggle with me or, or sometimes he'll be like, oh, I want to buy this record, and I'll be like, okay, it's uh, twenty bucks, and then I'll, he'll come in to pick it up, and I'll be like, all right, it's twenty one sixty four, and he'll be like, what tax? <laughs> You're trying, I thought we had a gentleman's agreement, and then he'll he'll be like, oh, this the fucking man over here trying to take all my money, and then I'll, I'm just like, man. I don't have a I don't have a great argument against you. But, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, government I, I, sure I, take a bite, don't she? If yeah, if sure you're does. the man, Carlos, uh, you're 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 a very small small version of the man. There, there's yeah. I'm the ant man. man. Yeah, you're the ant man. Uh, so we're we're gonna get another beer open here so that we can talk about this second film, a short uh, coming at us from the Cannes Film Festival, actually, but. An American filmmaker who, who some of our listeners may be uh, aware of from her acting work. But first, let's open up. Uh, Carlos and I were able to procure from our local beer emporium this offering out of Houston, Texas. It is from Spindle Tap. Joe, have we had Spindle Tap before? <laughs> I feel like we have. I was going to say, there's no way we haven't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hold on. Yes, we have. We had their Hop Gusher. All right. Okay. okay. That was back in episode number 26. That was way before we started getting them distributed here. Paired, interestingly, with the Cheney send-up vice. Oh, yeah. I also, I I think that was uh, residual beer from my wedding, actually. That might have been, yeah. Well, this is a... That my uncle brought down. This is a double IPA that they do called Faded. Um, it has a barbershop pole um, graphic on there, so you can take that fade how, how you might as a haircut, supposedly. Um, and it is looking juicy there, Carlos, really hazy. You know, a, a good friend of ours, listener of the podcast, uh, Daniel, had tipped us off about this, or he had he had said, hey, they have this, and I'm here. Uh, does anybody need any? And... Uh, that's the brother right there. I and I, I immediately scrambled and was like, because I was doing a, a live stream DJ set at the time, and so I couldn't just like walk away and run over there. But I was so close to the place, you know, and I was like, oh shit, like you know, whatever. And then I went and bought it. It's a more expensive four pack than what you know most people, including us, are accustomed to. Uh, and I got it home and I looked at it, and just the it says DIPA or yeah DIPA on it uh, for double IPA. And I just got like triggered by the word because we've had so many like really malty double IPAs recently, I feel. And it's true. And I was like yeah. and I was like, shit, did I just spend twenty dollars on four malt bombs that I'm not even gonna <laughs> enjoy? And I was very concerned, even though I know Spindle Tap, like I've never really had anything from Spindle Tap that I didn't like. I was still just like, shit, what did I do? Uh, I could have bought so much Lone Star with this money. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. uh, or Montucky Cold Snacks. Or Cold yeah. Snacks. Uh, yeah. 
think, but you know, I, I I'll just come out and say that's not the case. It's not a malt bomb, but well, we'll get yeah, there. Um, and and right there, pouring this in the glass, the nose on it. I mean, that is like the nose. Yeah, it, it is uh, hop candy on the nose. Is is what I'm getting. Sweet and uh, sticky, which which could be bad. Yeah. Like like Carlos says, that maybe that it could get into that really malty double IPA territory. I don't think it's going to. As we sip on it, we'll find out. We'll find but, out. Uh, and I, I don't think that we mentioned that we're still going strong. This guy's got eight percent. Yeah. We, so a little step down from our first beer, but we're staying. We're we're hanging. We're, we're, well, we're hey, not, yeah. so the first film festival that we all covered together was our local film festival uh, on stuff. Mm-hmm. South Texas Underground Film Festival. And we hope to do that one again. We'll see when we can all get into a theater together. But yeah. I wanted I wanted to take this film festival that we are one had given us online seriously and let's not limit ourselves just to two feature films. There's a bunch of great short films here we can watch. Yeah. And if you remember our episode on South Texas Underground Film Festival, one of my favorite films that I saw was a short film. Uh Yeah that was very stranger things esque and had this great soundtrack and yeah episode 76 so they are definitely you know any film festival you're at those short film blocks are you know they're nothing to scoff at you know there's good good shit in there and there were there were a few to choose from but two words stopped us in our tracks chloe sevigny (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay. I was glad you went there and not White Echo because I'm like, yeah, the title didn't really grab me. But uh, <laughs> I didn't realize this is her third short film. She's had two oh. previous short films that also uh, were in some very high profile film festivals. That is uh, that is exciting. I you know I had I've not seen those other two, so this is my first time seeing something she's directed, but. As I mentioned earlier, um, she is certainly somebody who I've known really well through her acting. Yeah. In the sense that I have even, you know, when I hear she's in something, it makes me think, oh, that's something I probably want to check out. I first come to, came to know her work through the film she did with Harmony Corinne early on. Uh, we, we've talked a little bit about his work. And, you know, she showed up in the film Kids that he wrote. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, then his... Uh, his feature film Gummo, um, she she was a major part of. So, and they were together at, at the time, apparently. But uh, but since then, you know, many things. She's been from you know television series like Big Love to uh, you know just uh, Brown Bunny, controversial film roles. I mean, she's just done so many different odd and wonderful acting jobs over the years that it was yeah. exciting to hear about her coming across as a storyteller. And so I was excited when Joe said, hey, this is one of our options. It, it seemed like the one that most spoke to me. Yeah, and also, w- given the international flair of the other two films we'll be discussing today, I thought it would be nice to, uh, to get something from our side of the ponds. Yeah, sure enough. So Crazy World, I'm sorry. <laughs> White, Echo, White Echo is a 14-minute short film, like we said, written and directed by Chloe Sevigny. Do, oh, do we agree that I'm pronouncing her name correctly? Because I'm always scared when I do it. You've heard me. I say Savini or Savini more, but that's I'm I'm not doing that on any basis of knowing how to pronounce her name. It is just me. So I I like your Sevigny 
I'll go with Savini. <laughs> well, the, the plot of the short film is simple: a group of ladies. Carlos knows. I can. I, he he gave a look there. He he looked it up. What, uh, what's the pronunciation? No, I, I was going to say I've always gone Sevigny. Sevigny. Okay. But All I don't right. actually. Well, but I I don't know. That's just the direction I've always fallen. Yeah. Don't don't quote us, boy. Uh, but yeah, she does not appear in the film. She's only behind the camera in this uh, 14, 14 minute short. And it, it follows a group of female, I want to say, witches or friends that dabble in the occult. Yeah. Uh, having some kind of girls weekend in some kind of quaint town. Uh, and, and they unlock a spirit in the home well, with the use of a Ouija board kind of a telegraph line we have to close the board we have to close the board they i assume they didn't close the bo- board <laughs> and right. then the um weekend ends one of the characters goes back to her own place and then has an encounter with a uh, spirit that we assume followed her from this meeting in the meantime there's some uh wine fueled nighttime dancing interesting conversations that create a narrative but leave us wishing maybe we could have heard the sentence right before or the sentence right after some fantastic cinematography uh, i thought this was a pretty tight little short film it definitely you know uh in the first third i guess of this episode we kind of um more so than usual uh landed on the final shot of a film which is not something that we make a habit of uh, discussing directly, but the last shot of this film is a fairly striking one, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is another one that kind of builds, and so in you know, uh, being as different as it could probably be from our first feature that we talked about, but also similar, and that is from it is from a visionary filmmaker. There's a lot of striking imagery in it. There's like ten thousand cats at one point, which is like kind of horrifying <laughs> uh and you know things you know okay so this is something i think about a lot and but I, maybe something that only strikes me when it happens and that uh-huh. i don't notice in its absence but there are some filmmakers that will forsake narrative coherence maybe to give you images that are uh, intended to elicit emotion that coincides with what the narrative is doing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that Chloe Savini, Sevigny, uh, does, she gives us some very striking imagery in this film and things that really kind of like stick in your mind uh, in a way. And yeah. um, I think that, it, you know, it's a very effective short film um, in more aesthetic ways than than anything else but it feels to me and i i largely agree with what you guys are saying and and i did enjoy watching this film if anything i felt like i was left wanting more because i feel like it's almost a sketch for something larger and not even necessarily that that larger thing would need to flesh out all the mystery of it i'm not even saying that but i'm saying that i feel like especially that central character there by caitlin shield uh, carla is the character there's depth to um, that character. Well, yeah, and there's more there. I mean, she hints at, you know, like, oh, I'm not going to tell you that happened. Because there's, you know, like, there's clearly this idea that something 
somewhat sinister happened at this house, or at least, you know, somebody ended their life, right? Somebody hung themselves on the porch. Uh, but, but then that's there's, not the whole story. Yeah, there's something there's, more sinister than that, according right, to this character. A, so, like... And there's... A, right, and the word on the Ouija board is baby, and it's these women. It's like, there's very much... It's a very feminist film. Um, yeah. and, and, and in the most positive way... I, not the feminist is ever negative necessarily in my mind, but I think even to people who maybe recoil at that and think like, oh, you know, it, and get a very narrow vision of what feminism means. Like this is a film about women and their, um, you know, the, the kinds of conversations they have, the thoughts they have, but also this kind of, um, I don't know, there's a, there's a female energy to this I rarely see come through in a film. Is that, you know, do you guys understand what I'm saying there? There's yeah. definitely like this interest in childbirth, in um, their communing together, the dancing that they're doing at midnight. It, it, there's something very, the, like Joe said, they're, they're, they may be witches or at the very least people who like to dabble in this idea of some kind of spiritual dimension that goes beyond what we can fully comprehend and, and have it. So it, there's, I don't know, I, I really liked it, but to me it felt like a project that could lead to something even bigger. It felt like a world that I wanted to see unfold even more, and and that's probably a good, I mean, that's a good sign. That's like, okay, she can create really interesting, compelling images and moments, and I agree with you, Carlos, that, that moment where we, you know, we're getting this series of uh, cuts from the character to seeing, you know, one cat and then, you know, cut back to the character and it's looking and then see this, you know, huge horde of cats <laughs> that are suddenly there, which I agree is some fine, but she's still there's this connection. I, I loved it. I thought I thought it was great in terms of what it did, but it left me wanting more. When the, when the main character gets home, she's uh, greeted in her foyer with what we assume she placed there, a group of mirrors in different um, angles against a corner. And it's, it's, it is there, effectively, to deliver some filmmaking technique with the um, images showing different things from time to time and then a figure appearing in one of the mirrors, but not the other mirrors. Right. You know, it, it seemed like a cheat because why are these mirrors here? But at the same time, it showed a very interesting kind of set piece there. And, and again, I, I, I'm looking forward to going back and watching uh, Miss um, Sam Jula's first two uh, short films. <laughs> Did you just go to Sam Jula? I don't, I don't know how to I pronounce the guys. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I, 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 that, that's wonderful. I think, the, and, I'll, and I'll stop talking about it after this, but I think the most important thing that we need to acknowledge is that there is that beautiful reference to Ari Aster and his um, incredible work. And, uh, you know, the floating Tony Collette that, that we get towards the end, yeah. I, I thought was masterful to, to evoke that. And I, yeah, he's that such a, he is such a brilliant filmmaker, David. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> We're not talking about him now though. <laughs> I think I might, ju I might've gotten booted off the podcast right now. The, the, the yeah. He controls the buttons, David. He can, yeah. the buttons. I, I can cut that all out if I wanted to. <laughs> you can't stop me. <laughs> I, I, I feel like, like right now I feel like Abed after watching a ton of Nicolas Cage movies, trying to decide Nicolas Cage, good or bad. My entire operating system has crumbled <laughs> and needs rebooting. <laughs> Uh, before before you said that terrible, hateful thing, 
<laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say that I hope that we get a Chloe Sevigny feature at some point based on this work. But now I don't know because then we might just have another mids- Midsummer on our hands, and I don't want that. Oh, it's a beautiful oh, yeah. film. It I is a beautiful a film, but it's also a bad film. They can be both at the same time. It turns <laughs> out. Yeah, Ari Oster like has defied all sense of logic and reason and made a bad, beautiful film. <laughs> it's perplexing. <laughs> I still haven't quite figured it out yet. Um, but no, I like the short. I like this short film a lot. I look forward to seeing the other, her first two. Uh, I look. I looked quickly while we were talking. They're both available online tonight, so I might have a little Chloe Sevigny short film film festival here at my house. And if I was doing a film festival, such as what you're proposing, uh, would Faded Double IPA be the beer to have with it? You bet your sweet ass it would. <laughs> yeah, this is not the malt bomb that we feared. I was the only no. one that feared that, but uh, yeah. No, that 8% feels good, and the beer tastes mighty fine. It's, it's, it's very it's well very balanced. Good. Very well balanced, like we yeah. like to say. Nice level of bitterness in there. Like I'm kind of, mm-hmm. I, I would equate it to like kind of a uh, that kind of grapefruit pith sort of uh, flavor that you get occasionally with an IPA. Um, but but it's nicely balanced with the light. Uh, you know, I, I think it's Pilsner malt that they're using. I think I saw that on the can. No, that was the other one. Uh, but whatever the malt they have here, it's not a it's not a dark malt. It's not one that's caramel in flavor. It's very light. Um, grab a little bit too in the hops i i just i love it i think it's it's nicely um aggressive enough hop forward enough but very drinkable and i'm happy to have this in my glass do you want to know my take on this beer yeah yeah we we pay you for that (laughs) (laughs) i think that this is my perfect ipa wow your perfect ipa i'm not saying that it's by saying that, I'm not saying that it's like the best IPA or I that know the I most. Know, I know exactly what you mean. But I think that it achieves the perfect balance of all of the things that you could like about an IPA in a way that I just I just want more of this. You know, like just as you said, there's a little bit of bit of bitterness, but it's hazy and it's hot. It's like hop candy, and it's not too malty. It's got the right. It's mm-hmm. it's just hitting all the right notes all together. Now. Would I fucking do backflips over a strawberry double froyo IPA from Ingenious? Like, of course I would. Like, that is amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And would I also just be able to sit back and you know drink like a smash IPA, like the you know the Lone Pint one that we had, or like maybe something on the session side? Like, yes, I love those things. You know. but as far as just like hitting the sweet spot of all of the things that I like at once without it being too strong in any of those categories, I think that this beer exemplifies that more than most beers that I've ever had. Well, so top five beers of the podcast this year. What a great, what a great day for you. (laughs) Good day. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, me too. Well, for, for more reasons than one. Yeah, um, for sure. So, so that was a great second beer and a, a great second movie and a, and a very promising second short film uh, or third short film in, in the career of Chloe Simony as a filmmaker. When we come back, we will be venturing forth again away from 
the North American continent to take in some uh, filmmaking prowess from our first from Wakaliwood. When we return. Uh, an exciting action-packed third act today uh, as, as we dip into, as I said right before the break, our first venture into the filmmaking realm known as Wakaliwood. Uh, but before we get to talking about what Wakaliwood is, where it originates from, who, who's behind it, uh, we're going to get some beer in our glass. And in this case, because Wakaliwood is coming from nowhere, um, literally, I mean, such limited means, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. I thought it would be fun to pair with this beer that uh, we, we've had for a couple weeks here, and we've been waiting for the right opportunity. This is called Urban Underdog American Lager. It is from the Urban Chestnut Brewing Company out of St. Louis, so, you know, renowned brewing capital of the United States historically. And they have certainly some great craft beer these days. But I believe this is the first from Urban Chestnut that we've had on the podcast. Oh, for sure. I've never heard of this brewery before in my life. I didn't even know that St. Louis had, like, a strong scene going on. Yeah. Um, what it, Perennial out of there. I don't know that uh, we haven't had them on the podcast. I've, but I've heard of them. Yeah, they have some great stuff. Um, and, and I know I'm forgetting some names. But, yeah, they, they have a little bit of a, a thing going. They kind of have that you know, Midwest scene on lock, but we'll get some nice. So we've kind of, interestingly, this episode, we, we have gone down in ABV, right? We started out at nine and a half. We went to eight. This urban underdog, I thought I had seen, but I didn't. So I will have to look. Yeah. Sorry. It's not on the, uh, not on the can. The only thing I know about St. Louis is the St. Lunatic. Shout out to Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> You can catch me stomping in my Air Force Ones. It is 4.7%. So we've Ooh, gone down, drop. almost cut in half from yeah. what our first beer was. Um, so yeah, this is a nice little, you know, a, a, a soft landing. Let's say. Saw, yeah, okay, which right, we, right. I'd say we need after going from 9.5 to 8. I mean, that's, right. that's high octane. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to suggest up top that uh, the next film we're to dis- that we're going to discuss, Crazy World, mm-hmm. by di- by director Nabwana Igg mm-hmm. from Uganda. David, you're the one that desperately you were eager, eager, <laughs> eager for us to watch this, sending I us movie, sending, sending us uh, all kinds of information about the whole Wakali Wood thing. So I'm going to let you take that and run with it. But I would suggest that this kind of film is the kind of film I would want to have at a party in the background on the TV with the volume down while we drink really high ABV beers. <laughs> See, I don't know if I'd want the volume down, but it, we can talk about the best setting for this the, this film or the Wakaliwood stuff in general. Um, but yeah, this was a film 
like I say, a, 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 a filmmaking movement, <laughs> if you can call it that. It's mainly one guy, but there are some other uh, folks involved um, that are out of Uganda, and in particular, the capital of Uganda, Kampala. This is a small, what's essentially an, improver- an impoverished neighborhood. Um, some slum. refer to it as a ghetto, a slum in uh, in Kampala called uh, Wakali that is um, the base of operations for Nabwana IgG. And he and his friends, um, his collaborators, are making films on this micro, micro-budget scale. The film that kind of popped for them first online was Who Killed Captain Alex? And, and, don't, hey, and don't rush to the punchline. What was the total budget of Who Killed Captain Alex? Well, it was like $200, right? Two hundred dollars. Right. Well, though, th- th- then I've seen it revised to eighty-four. So, th- so it may have been as low as eighty-four dollars. <laughs> but Still, micro, micro, I mean, micro budget. Jesus. No, I mean that's exactly. And so that you know, they're shooting this on you know older digital cameras using old laptops. I w- part of what I sent these guys to win them over was this great little piece I had seen done by Vice um, where they were covering it. And, you know, they show some of the, you know, the laptops and they're basically, it's taking days for them to render some basic um, special effects graphics that they're doing. And they, you know, these are action films. Okay. They, they're, they pride themselves on making the best action cinema. Movie. Best <laughs> action movie. Yes. Um, and so they're making these micro budget features with, you know, people from the neighborhood, essentially, these are, I mean, there's something very homemade about it, but then there's also something I think just really fun and vibrant about the what I had seen before. And I was hoping that that would be the case here. And it is, and they're very distinctive and we can get into, you know, kind of what makes them distinctive. But I know this was both of your first experiences with some Hollywood fair. Um, what did, what did you think? Or, or should we describe the film and, and whatever plot there is? I, su- I suggest we start with that. Okay. The, the film is, the, the entire running time of what YouTube presents here is mm-hmm. 64 minutes. And the director filmed a intro, uh, about a four to five minute intro, explaining who he was and why he's participating with this overall effort. And right. then you, you get into the meat of the movie, and it does have a plot... Uh, there is a child kidnapping ring in a slum there in Uganda. Tiger and, Mafia. Yeah, and they uh, kidnapped a, a couple of the wrong people because their parents are, su- and the kids themselves are uh, super ninja. Help me with the terminology. It's it it, it is the Waka the, kids. Yeah, the Waka yeah. kids. Waka super, stars. Super Waka, Waka stars. stars. There we go. Yeah, they all know kung fu. And the uh, one of the parents, of course, is the uh, super commando. Uh, And you see the kids try to break out. You see the super commando try to save his kids uh, while gangs uh, have got, you know, all kinds of artillery. And then a a shaman, if you will, uh, also wants to uh, overtake the uh, compound as well for his own reasons. So there is a plot there. But then... (laughs) <laughs> there's also a subplot of piracy 
and that's my favorite part of the entire movie. There is a U- Ugandan pi- uh, film piracy patrol. Uh, bureau. Yeah, patrol. Yeah. Oh my god, that is the funniest part. It, 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 it yeah, and it recurs. It, it's there at the beginning, and they bring it back kind of midway through, and and have this interruption. It's you know the other piece here yeah. from a stylistic standpoint that I think is the most striking is the presence of the video Joker track. Right, and and I very know confusing. You you found it confusing. Did you read up on it? No. Kind of, oh, okay, so you were referencing stuff that you had sent us that like quote won us over. Didn't read any of that. Oh, okay. well, so that, all, that, I'm all not going to bother next. Time. Well, it, it was just because because this week for me was. I know you're, you. You have lots on your plate. Well, yeah. I was just I was trying to get the store open, and so yeah. a lot of times when this was happening, me and Josh were in the store trying to figure out where stuff goes, like how to like you know get all the crap out of the like sales floor and organize in a like way that makes sense. And it, we're just so bogged down with all the minutia of trying to take what had become just a shipping warehouse and turn it back into a retail space. Yeah, if, David, and, if David's dying to see this movie, you weren't going to argue too badly. Well, no, and I trust David, too. And also, like, the part that sold me was I saw him say something about it. I saw the screen grab from the, like, thumbnail of the article, and he said, like, something like African ultraviolence or something. <laughs> or uh, some some variation of, like, extreme african action film and i was like fuck yeah i'm down like that sounds fun um and it was and it was it was fun don't get me wrong it just like it took me like 10 or 15 minutes to adapt to like what was happening and i even sent (laughs) i even sent a couple of my friends uh, a link to the video for them to watch and i was like i don't think there's any amount of drugs that can make this make sense <laughs> yeah, and I, and I don't want to brush over the piracy patrol aspect of the film. Oh, we'll get I, to that. We'll get to that. I did do a little research about it, and basically, it's a crack commando units that can go around the world to stop film piracy. And basically, that film piracy is a built-in economic aspect, not only of the entire film-going community, but certainly in Uganda, where people want to be able to buy anything they can for the least amount of money. So what they'll do after they raise the 84 or $200 to make their film, they'll start burning copies and literally walk door to door and sell copies of the movie that they just made, trying to recoup any funds at all before the film is pirated and they can't make any money at all. So piracy mm, crazy. to this group of filmmakers is a very real thing at the micro budget level that they're operating. Yeah, I mean, I mean that makes sense. And like, I felt that in the film, like, when those little cutscenes happen, um, I mean, you know, they're not universal. They don't have, you know, the capital that major studios have. So I imagine when people pirate their films, it's even more devastating financially. Um, but let's like get into the film itself because, yeah, because when you watch it under the, you know, context that we did, you get a, you know, quick intro from the director about Wakali Wood and like what's going on there and what it is and all that kind of stuff. And it's very endearing. Like you see this man talking about like his passion for making action films and all of the people that are involved with it and how like, you know, communal the best action it is. Films in the world. Yeah. And you know how communal it is. And then you see them like very, as he describes jealously, but I think it's more of like a, uh, compassionately guarding this wall of fame that they have that has, uh, you know, been almost completely erased by natural forces and events and like you know weather and stuff um 
and just that they have this reputation, like you can go online and say, hey, I'm going to come to you and help you work on this film. And you can go, anybody can come and go either work on or be in one of their films. Like that's just, you can just show up and be like, hey, I'm here to be in a Hollywood film. And they'll be like, all right, you know? And so there's this very like DIY nature. I mean, it's very clearly DIY, but DIY like communal kind of just like collaborative energy to what they're doing. And so when you start it, you get that that sense and you're just like, oh yeah, like I think I admire what these people are doing, like doing a lot with very, very little. But I feel like the film started like four or five different times, <laughs> you know, like it would keep cutting to different things and I would just keep being like, okay, are we watching the movie right now? I, I, it took me a while to figure out when we were actually watching the film yeah. and that's why I said it took me about, I don't know, probably like 15 minutes to figure out what in God's name was happening. And then yeah. finally you figure it out. And like, you know, there's this crazy man that hangs out at the dump that's looking through these binoculars made of like cut out water bottles. And like, as we've stated, a lot of the people that are in these movies are just like people hanging out in the neighborhood, like their neighbors and stuff, you know, but this guy that is playing this crazy eccentric junkyard like dude Right. is like really good actually like he's, oh, he's his performance he's, is he's, amazing you know he is walking phoenix level when it comes to his ability to laugh strangely and unsettlingly yes, it's crazy so, hey if walking phoenix can get an oscar for joker which was an abomination Agreed. but his, his acting probably deserves something um the- <laughs> this guy <laughs> this guy put him on the ballot he needs to be on the run in the room he yeah. was great. I mean, he was really, really good, actually. Like, it's. Yeah, it, I, I mean, it takes a second for you to like. The kids are good. The, the kids are good. The kids are the, badass. The kids. No, there's there's a lot that's good in the film. That's the thing that keeps you watching it. But we but we did allude to, and we should dive into the idea that while there is dialogue captured on the film, the well, director I, well, is going, insists well, hold on, hold on, on narrating hold on. the film. But it's not the director. It's, it's not the director. This is what they call the video joker, or it's V, which could also go for video jockey. But when these films are shown live, they essentially have their built-in. I mean, think of it like Mystery Science Theater. It's like yeah. they have somebody who sits there and sort of commentates along with the film. And that these films have spread largely online, including that video, video joker track with them. Um, which is how this film is presented, where there is somebody who's kind of outside the film, just a narrator who's kind of, you know, m- essentially telling you what's going on. I yeah. mean, a lot of it's obvious, but sometimes just saying, like, I, the bad guy. No, he, oh. he, he literally says, movie. Yes. <laughs> like he just the, says, the, you're watching the movie. <laughs> yeah. Best this, yeah. This is when the badass comes out. <laughs> yeah, right? it's crazy. Yeah. I, th- and, I think. Go I think, save those I, children. I, go save those children. Right? I mean, it's like the film has its own hype man yeah. that's going along with it and kind of waka stars. Yes. Action like you've never seen. You know, that, that it's just constantly this stream of reminding you how great what you're watching is. Yeah. And, and it's jarring. I mean, because you. <laughs> I mean, initially, when I, my experience when I was first watching one of these films, it was probably Who Killed Captain, because that was the one that took off. Um, it is. It's like I'm not. Where Where is this coming from? I don't know. <laughs> what am I supposed to be paying attention to here? But after you kind of get into the flow with it, 
there is something really fun, which is where Joe said, like, I would put this volume down. I would honestly say at about an hour running time, I feel like this could be if I had a few friends over and we were going to be having some fun that night and drinking some beers. I mean, I'm imagining a time where we can get together again. But, you know, like I might put this on while we're having our first couple drinks for the evening and and really just like let people dial in for a while, see if we can hang through the whole thing, because there's some fun, fun stuff that goes on in that video joker track well not just the video joker track but let me say that at a certain point okay so it kind of i don't want to say it starts slow because it doesn't start slow necessarily but (laughs) but no there's a a learning curve there okay so it is so far removed from what we're used to as a western audience or whatever and as far as the way that a narrative develops and like moves and all that stuff, it's, it's, it's very, very different from what we're used to. And so Joe's right. There is a very distinct learning curve, but other than that, I, the, the reason it maybe feels slow at first is because of that learning curve and you're trying to figure out, okay, what is happening? Like, where is, what can I grab onto? Like, what is like the actual film? What is like cut scenes? What is the video Joker track? And once you kind of start to vibe and like get that kind of rhythm of what's going on and the movie starts to reach its climax, once it starts getting to that point, there's some like legit and not like, and I'm not saying this in, in in the in the vein of like oh it's good for what they had to work with or like oh they did a good job with the amount of money they had. There is yeah. some very legitimately good fight choreography that takes yeah. place in this film. Like just in a you could pluck that fight choreography and put it into any hundred million dollar you you know Universal Studios action movie and it would hey, hold up. You know Jet Li. Yeah. How about <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, there's They're, some good ass fight scenes in it. Like there, there really, are. there, there are. really is. And I mean, those look, kids can move. They can. I mean, the, the, it it was crazy to watch some of those sequences where the kids are just taking these guards down and stuff. It's cool. It's totally, totally believable. It's crazy. I mean, I can honestly say that this is probably the craziest movie I've ever seen in my entire life, which <laughs> makes sense given that it's called Crazy World. And I can, I mean. I was watching it, and there was a certain point where I was probably like maybe 10 or 15 minutes into it, and I almost turned it off because I was like, I don't know what's going on. I can't follow this. Like, I, I this is too much for me right now, you know? But having seen it, and like now that I kind of understand like the the voiceover track and like some of the other stuff and like the Piracy Patrol like excerpts or whatever, uh, you know, obviously it's not as jarring as it was the first time i saw it but i but i really think and it was why i told you that maybe we should have paired the faded uh double ipa from spindle tap with this is that i think that if you're gonna watch this movie drop a little acid go on the ride just vibe it out all right beer in a movie has gone to we're, we're no longer beer in a movie we are hallucinogenic in a movie. If we're going to hey, keep me, watching what Hollywood films, we have to be psychedelics say, in a movie. <laughs> beer in a movie also suggests that you uh, consult with your doctor before taking anything. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm not actually suggesting that this is a theoretical. Um, I can't actually speak to this experience. So. I understand. No, I, 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 Don't it, listen it, to it, me. I am in no way legally obligated. Uh, I'm no way to, legally responsible for your actions. We, we have to spend five minutes on the special effects of the film. Oh, they're so fun. They're so fun. They're so bad. Um, they're, 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 
my son and my daughter with their rudimentary crap on their iPhone could maybe create better special effects. But you have to understand that the limitations that these filmmakers have to work with. But there's a scene where a building explodes and it's like, like the big special effects scene with the fire and the mm-hmm. bricks exploding out of the fire and it's done with just the most the most horrible cgi effects but you're enjoying yourself the entire time this film itself was uh programmed as part of the uh god what do they call it midnight madness madness for the um toronto the 2019 toronto international film festival so you know this is definitely of that ilk where you know the yeah, there, there are people who, yeah, we don't have Hollywood budgets. We're not going to be able to do the CGI that, you know, Michael Bay gets or that, uh, you know, the, well, the Fast and the Furious franchise get. You know, we're not, we don't have those budgets, but we enjoy that kind of action and excitement. And so we're going to use the tools at our disposal. And and there's something fun and charming about that if you can go with it. I mean, to me, it, it helps me to not... Um, not get as caught up in the uh, the morality of it all <laughs> because occasionally with an action film I can be like oh my god there's so much death and good but here like it all feels so cartoonish and silly and and sort of half jokey that I I just I rolled with it I mean I'm I'm just enjoying myself as I'm watching it. Did did you watch it with the girls at all, David, or did you? <laughs> the very <laughs> no, honestly, I did. the very beginning I did. Um, and they loved it. Honestly, they were wanting to watch the rest of it. They especially loved the the introduction of the Waka stars when they come on and they like kung fu their way onto the screen and then into a freeze frame and the next one comes on and the next one and then it ends with one of them laughing. They wanted to watch that twenty times over. Yeah, it's badass. Um, it's it's very smart, funny filmmaking on a micro budget. I did when it kind of got into that little subplot about the woman cheating on her husband. I was worried about how how dark that might get. It didn't actually end up getting that dark, but it but it it's, was it's kind of it, just it like enough, an afterthought almost. Right, it was enough to give me pause. Where I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm gonna watch the rest of this without you. But they enjoyed the beginning. Did did uh, Hunter and Savannah or anybody well, else? Well, uh, Savannah watch? Savannah agreed to watch based on the trailer, and then she uh, opted out. Mm. It was uh, uh, Kylie also was, opted out. Yeah, I think she would have enjoyed it though. She's mostly on her yeah, phone the time I, or out of the room. I, I I feel like I'm gonna want to try to introduce more people to this. I'm. Gl- you know, uh, I think I, I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. Whenever yeah. I was watching it, I was thinking to myself for the majority of the film, I was like, "This is not a movie that I should be watching by myself," like because. Kylie was in and out of the room, and sometimes when she was in the room, you know, she was on her phone, or, you know, we were eating, and she wasn't as invested in it as I was. Obviously, she doesn't have to talk about it with people the way that I do, uh, and stuff like that. And so, I was thinking to myself, I was just like, this would be so funny if there were, like, five or six people over, and we were all, like, drinking margaritas, or, like, playing board games, or, like, you know, doing whatever, and this was on, and people could just look up every now and then and be like, what the fuck is going, you know? Uh, It's a much more fun like midnight party like kind of movie uh rather than just watching it by yourself Um, Mm -hmm. at least from what i kind of experienced in watching it by myself for the most part you know i i agree with you carlos i think this would be such a fun sort of film to see in a group in a crowd um you know as a party film 
But I would almost go so far as to say, and I know we haven't locked in on this, but man, if we ever get to see some sort of a theatrical event, we might want to think about doing a Hollywood night uh, and and have like a couple of these films back to back. I would be down, honestly. And enjoy ourselves because th- this is the kind of film where you know we could we could just uh, shut Alamo policy of not talking during the film because hey, there's a video Joker. We're all having a good time. Yeah, fuck it. Let's just go. <laughs> and, and on the invite, we just write acid optional. Yeah, hallucinogenics uh, optional. How about we, we show this and then a Yodorowsky film. Oh man. <laughs> okay, but it but if we were to do that though, let's be, you know, let's be honest. If we were to do that, hallucinogenics would not be optional. They would be mandatory. <laughs> if we were to follow well, with the Yodorowsky film. <laughs> We have tra- we have transitioned into hallucinogenics in a in a movie. That, that's yeah. That, there, there's no way to. I mean, um, this is a, th- yeah. Th- this is a, a quite the film. I, th- I think I feel like this it's has crazy. changed us all. It's crazy, man. It really <laughs> is crazy, and is just like, you know, I. This is when I was watching this, I was like, this is the type of thing that they would show at South Texas Underground Film Festival. Like yeah. this is right up their alley, and I think that that's another thing that makes that film festival such a must attend for Corpus people is that like you can find things that are similar to this that are just like you know like with the last you know round that they did they had that ninja badass movie and yeah. I wasn't able to go see it but based on what I saw and what I heard that Ninja Badass was very similar to this and that it was just like. I agree inherently over the top like obviously over the and like their expressed intent was to make it as just ridiculous as possible and well, so this goes back, yeah this goes back to the roots of exploitation the idea that okay if you don't have the money to be able to hire big stars and have the resources of a major film studio at your disposal whether it be from you know sets costumes special effects all that kind of stuff what do you do how do you pull people in you, well, you go know, back to dolomite Right. One way that you can do it is just get zany, get over the top, get yeah. exaggerated, do, you know, do stuff that is so wacky and off the wall and extreme that you pull people in. You can do that with horror. You can do that with action. You can do that with sex, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, here, focusing on the action and, as as you said, Carlos, delivering, you know, actually great fight choreography in some sections some yes lower than state-of-the-art special effects but fun and used in a way that is sort of just over the top and and almost to the point of being absurd i feel like right you know i feel like at this you're gonna sorry sorry continue i was just gonna say you're gonna get something out of this if you go in if you like action films and you like comedy i think if you go in with the right head to this sort of film you're gonna really enjoy yourself yeah and i and i i feel like at this day and age like where we are technologically like if you can't achieve like believable special effects there's no sense at this point in trying to strive to a middle ground like if you can't hit the mark just be like okay we know we can't hit the mark let's make it absurd like because i feel like absurdity will play better than we tried our hardest you know and at least when you have the absurdity you can be like yeah we know this is absurd but 
this movie right. isn't about the special effects necessarily. It's about like you know the story, or it's about just like the ride, or you know whatever. Um, there's more to films and special effects, and you know I feel like this is a studio that understands like yes, we're not Hollywood. We don't have all the money, but we have the drive. We have the um, hunger for fun movie-going experiences. Uh, we have the, you know, um, dedication to telling stories about the people that surround us and about our people and about, you know, this part of the world and exposing people to, you know, Uganda as a, like a, an area and as a culture and stuff. And because all of that stuff what is at the core of their ethos and their drive is so genuine that you can excuse all of the, you know, maybe subpar special effects or maybe even subpar acting or whatever, even though there are some great performances in this film, there are some other ones that are not so great. And it just, you know, people can see through the artifice of you trying to be more than what you are. You trying to be something different than what you are. And when you are just like, this is who I am, this is what I do and whatever, that's something that regardless of, quote-unquote quality people can connect to and i think that's what this film does that makes it so fun and entertaining yeah i mean so totally agree i think this is wonderful i'm glad you guys didn't uh, revolt when i pushed on this <laughs> and uh and, and decide i i think it is fun and you know what there is a heart to it i mean yeah who can who can be against the idea of organized crime should not be kidnapping children the message here is one that is universal yeah it's anti-child trafficking like i mean at the end of it it says it and it's like so clear and just like yeah you shouldn't abduct children you know so clearly wakali wood in the film going so clearly wakali wood in the filmmaking community are urban underdogs they proved it in crazy world but urban underdog from uh urban chestnut Brewing Company. What did you guys think? The small, the lowest ABV of the beers we've enjoyed today. Yeah, it's always funny when you finish with lighter beer like this. I I think it stands up. I mean, honestly, I think this is a very drinkable lager. I would love to have more of this, and this is one that I truly could drink all summer long. Um, I you know, but but coming after some really flavor you know, intense beers like the Sour Monkey and the Faded Double IPA, it does feel like a very uh, much smaller kind of, uh, you know, more, more subdued kind of experience, but but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I am too. Um, I got to tell you, though, I, it's the opposite direction on ABV, I think, is giving me the only pause here. I, I, it's my least favorite beers of the three we've enjoyed today, but that may not be fair because the styles have been so varied. A lager after that delicious sour and a very, very awesome IPA isn't just going to do well in my book today. Um, I, you know, I'll I'll agree with Joe in that I think that it might be my least favorite of the day, but it's only because the t- previous two were so flavorful. It's it's not, you know, it, when you're comparing it to other beers that you've had just in a day versus your whole life, you know, or, or your whatever beer drinking journey, it's not fair you're right, necessarily. You're right. I this is a good beer. Uh, we had better beers today, sure. Um, 
but this is a very very good lager i think yeah and it is well, one is... that i would love to have just a sixer of in my fridge or a four or like you know whatever it comes in yeah. um and i would just drink it casually all the well, time i think it, to me this is the beer that i truly should drink after mowing the lawn yes. that's not going to put me under yeah. where i may think the sour monkey is a good idea it's probably not a good idea to down that 12 ouncer right after i've uh, just been out sweating see but this one i could and if you drink the sour monkey after mowing the lawn you're gonna have a really weird shower right after <laughs> you know well you could have it in the shower that's you the, could that's have the idea i love shower a shower beer, beer. <laughs> i want to go on record and say i am pro shower beer uh but yeah if you if you drank a if you drank a sour monkey right before in between mowing the yard and before going to the shower you could have a weird shower after that it might be a collapse shower it It might be be. (laughs) he might just be sitting at the bottom of it just (laughs) uh just like totally zonked out uh but but this is a this is i mean it's a really good beer it's a really good lager it's light it's easy drinking like it's a low abv it's something that's sessionable uh you know definitely a good beach beer um a good outdoor activity beer that won't put you on your ass i mean if you're gonna you know, if you're going out to the beach for a day, you take two sour monkeys and four of this beer, and you're good to go. <laughs> you know, that's what it is. That's the formula, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, but at the bottom of my cooler is one of those faded. So, sorry. <laughs> at the bottom of my cooler is a big ass money stout. <laughs> that's a seventeen percent, baby. Hello, hello. Uh, I but I think that I think that this has been a, a an episode of really great movies from all different parts of the world, all different styles. One of the great fests is I do want to have a, a small correction here, and, I, and we'll probably have to post some sort of thing, but Joe actually shared something during this, that apparently the films are only available 24 hours after they've premiered. So, Oh, really? These films, the films that we're talking about specifically may not be available to folks as they're looking, but there will be more films released throughout the week so hold, hold on david, hold on david david hold I on i didn't realize yeah hold on white echo i can watch right now crazy world i can watch right now the only one i can't the only watch one is yeah okay. there's a problem with it that's huh. i well, was gonna no, talk but it to says you. it says available for 24 hours after premiere so some of them must be designated as only being available for 24 oh, okay hours. yeah I, I could not i could not uh i was i was creating a facebook post okay and i was finding huh. the links and i could not find the link well that's good to know okay so okay cut this cut this accordingly sorry yeah i know we'll take care of it uh yeah that's uh that's odd um but i i I still think that we had an episode of some really great films from all over the place and also maybe one of the best uh beer episodes we've had in a while there were no duds this time around not at all. There Not was at all. nothing that was lackluster or that we wish would have been another way, or maybe they had done something better. All the beers were solid, exactly as they uh, should have been executed perfectly. Uh, so that, I mean, that is a success as far as beer in a movie is concerned. Um, mm-hmm. And we want to know if you have seen any of these films, if you have drank any of these beers, and you can tell us that by you you can find us on twitter at beer movie show you can find us on instagram at beer in a movie and you can find us at facebook.com slash beer in a movie tx 
As always, BrianaMoodPodcast.com is our home base. You can find a link to listen to this episode and all of the previous, what, over 90 episodes that we've done before this. Um, Catch up. Find some movies in there that maybe you haven't seen before and that, you know, might break up the monotony of your quarantine or of your day-to-day. I think that's a great resource for doing that. Um, Personally, I've loved every beer that we have had, and I thoroughly enjoyed all the movies. Um, I don't know if you guys have any closing thoughts that maybe you would like to express. No, I think just watch more films from this film festival. If, 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 if this is airing before the film festival has ended, play around. pick, Click on some things. Well, I've watched a few shorts outside of what we've uh, chosen, and they've all been to at least see, even if I haven't loved what they were. Um, th- there's something there. So, so try some stuff out. It's available. Yeah, it's free. Yeah. And consider donating. Yeah, consider donating the Minnesota Memorial Fund. Um, maybe we post it from beer in a movie. Uh, we haven't really talked a whole lot about it, but if but on the Hybrid Records Instagram, you can find a link in our bio that has a ton of resources of how you can help, where you can donate, you know, things for you know expanding your understanding of what is happening right now there's a lot of resources just in that one link uh that you can find um i think we can all i hope that we can all agree that a militarized police force that is biased towards particular types of people is bad um and there's a lot of work that can be done and if you're a person that benefits from privilege like myself and I think like everyone that is involved in this podcast, which we are all painfully aware of that it is our, it is our responsibility to use our place of privilege to help those that do not experience the benefits of that, that we do. Um, and it is something I think about all the time and it's something I'm always trying to be better at. And I think now is the, as good a time as any to really try to do that. Absolutely. We need to be better. Here, here. And until next time, Black Lives Matter. Mm